0: Hear us in the host of the hour, first to follow the fox named Neve with books laid before the bear named M to read and retire around the long fire. We're
1: back. Uh, yeah, we're back. After an agonizing two weeks where I did not speak to you once, pay no <laughs> attention to VoIP life dropping in like six hours. <laughs> that's not true. If this goes up tonight, is Wednesday night, and the VoIP life is scheduled for 3 p.m. tomorrow, that's Thursday, the first of december um and they can hear us talk about some anime bullshit
0: yeah i was thinking uh moments ago how it's kind of funny that that's coming out after this (laughs) but we recorded it like literally a week ago yeah um so uh but yeah we we are back we read all of ravenkel saga um full title ravenkel saga phrase gotha um which we can we can kind of get into. I I guess I can do the like spiel of what this is
1: before we talk about the book itself. I will say uh it was very helpful in this big edition that because I've now switched to the enormous fuck off book um mm-hmm. which this is like smack in the middle of. i was like, "Oh, open open your book to page 436." I was like, "Jesus Christ." Uh um, It's
0: also funny because you look at the table of contents and you're like, "Okay, there's like three sagas before this. Yeah. Then there's Robin Cal saga. Then there's like a bunch of sagas after it. Yeah. There's like what, uh, one, two, three, four, f- five, six, uh, and then some tales after that. Yeah. Uh, which are short. Uh, but it's like it's it's past the halfway point. Yeah. Uh, this
1: yeah. this hopefully tells <laughs> us that the the story we're talking about today took place somewhere between the years 925 and 950. I guess all of it because it's like time passes um but was written in 1280 or between 1280 and 1350 i assume that's just an estimate yeah that is an estimate um i think
0: what the so I think like the earliest that people uh, have said is possibly 1264. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is based on some older research that might not even be accepted anymore. Uh, but the only like possible name that has been given to this, and I, I don't think he wrote this. I think it's just people trying to ascribe it to um, a, a famous guy from the past. Uh, but there was a bishop named Brander Jonsen. Um And so there's like one guy who said that he was probably the one who wrote it because there's a certain like catechism tone to this um, and was trying to place it around when it seemed to be written. Although that would be it would have had to be like right before he died. He wrote this. (laughs) Um, And even then, it's still a little outside the range of when people think it was written. So, um, yeah, the oldest uh, like extant thing from this is from the 15th century. Um, and that is one page of vellum, um, and then all the other surviving ones are actually paper, uh, paper copies, uh, from, I think, like, the, like, 17th century, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Um, is that when... I forget if there's, uh... I, I have two copies of this, so I'm trying to remember which, uh, translation, I think it's the other one that we didn't read, uh, that specifically claims maybe neither of these do nope this one early 17th century yeah um so you know uh there there are a number of copies of this there are a number of variations uh most translations seem to be from uh am 551c4to which is what this one's from
1: Um, it's my favorite metroid fan game
0: yes (laughs) um but yeah, and uh one note on that copy, uh it is the one that most people use, uh, but it does seem like it actually had some like uh additions to it, um, either by the author of uh a saga called the Float Stylo saga, um, or just somebody trying to like bring the two together a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um so uh yeah, that's kind of the the history of this. Um and then I talked about this a little bit last time, but there's sort of uh this one in particular is like the the battleground for a lot of debates around our saga's history, our saga's um just like literature. Is this some sort of folkloric thing uh that's maybe taking on a little bit of a uh form of literature or something? Mm-hmm. Um, but and like that debate has not been settled. But we can maybe talk about our feelings on this. <laughs> um I would say that I, I think it has a there is a certain structure to it that feels like an intentional story being told, whether that's folklore or in the process of writing it as like literature. Um, but there, there's like repetitions and structure around this. So What, what were your initial, uh, you know, vibe check
1: on it or how did you enjoy this? Uh, I thought it was good. I, um, I felt kind of, um, Eh, we should probably summarize it briefly first because i feel like (laughs) uh the way it shakes out i'm like of two minds about and like i kind of i kind of like it both directions but i feel like it's it 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 opens the our book version opens with it being like oh some people say this is a very christian parable to which i say not really i feel like (laughs) no i feel like i don't buy it
0: (laughs) yeah um some of this comes from, I think, especially like the very, uh, this is literature read of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of it is specifically trying to, to talk about, Oh, here are themes that they're developing. Um, and let's tie them to biblical things because at the time that it was most likely written down, um, it would have been after Christianization, which happened uh, in the year 1000. Mm -hmm. So it's a story about pre Christian, uh, Iceland, but after the Christianization process happened. Yeah. Um, and so there's, like, you know, the temptation parable within it and, and things like that. But uh, also, yeah, we can summarize it because uh, it does feel significantly less moralizing than a lot of other, like, Christian texts that I've read <laughs> from, from you know, the mm. Middle Ages. Um, so for this one, we're not going to go chapter by chapter. Um, no. In part... Yeah, there, there's some great moments in this that I m- might pull out. I'll like try to search for them and and pull out some lines. Yeah. Um, even if it's after we do the broad summarization. Yeah, it should be after
1: we do the broad summarization. We should yeah. go back and talk about bits that stood out.
0: Um, so I guess I can do the summary unless you can no. interject. As I go. Yeah, I'll interject, but you know yeah. it better than me, so. Um. So. There is this man, uh, who he arrives when I think he's fifteen. I think they give his age. Um, Rabenkel. Um, he is sort of the main character of the saga. Um, and he arrives when he was a child with his father, Uh, Um, and they settle and uh make this farm called Uh, Othobol, which would translate to like uh noble, like house or noble home or something, um. And also the the valley gets named after Robin Kell as well. Uh, he uh, one this is in the like early period where um, the structure like the political structure of Iceland is is still forming, and so he sort of uh, like claims this idea of uh, Gothorth over like a, a region. So uh, eventually, Iceland will be broken up into very specific uh quarters that had um a number of gothi who are like sort of chieftains mm-hmm. um i think it it started with like 36 and then it increases it went on um but when it was an, initially like founded as like here's the the political system we're doing uh, i think it was 36 gothi mm-hmm. um and so he he sort of seizes one of that but this is more like land grab seizing it's not like a uh later on we'll get people who have to like barter for them or things like that, which even happens in the saga. Somebody like is handing off their Gothorth, which Gothorth is like your the the uh intangible thing that gives you the position of Gothi. Mm-hmm. Um and you can give it to someone. Uh but anyway he he uh, claims this position as sort of a chieftain as a Gothi uh and also he his patron deity is Freyr. uh so people call him Freyr's Gothi uh Frey's Gothi. Um he also has this horse, Frey Foxy, uh, which this is uh like you know, stallion, it's his favorite horse, uh, and it's dedicated to to Frey, uh Freyer. Um and so he says, if anybody ever rides this horse uh, without, like, my uh, explicit permission, uh, then I have to kill them because this has been dedicated to the god. Uh, and he does a bunch of sacrifices. He is considered, like, uh, kind and fair with the, the people who are directly under him um, in this, like, chieftaincy, but is very cruel to everybody else um, and bullies people in neighboring valleys and things. Uh, He likes to duel people and kill people, and he never pays compensation for uh, people that he kills. Um, We then get introduced to uh, Aner. So he is uh, the son of a neighbor who is, uh, you know, lower class, seemingly. Uh, Does not have the same amount of wealth that Rabinkel has Mm -hmm. Um, and has a a large family and basically has, like, more mouths than... um, there's enough people to work the farm where extra people are just malls to feed at that point. Um, and so Aner, I think being his oldest son, um, is like, you go out, find some work, um, you know, make a name for yourself elsewhere. Um, and he's like, you should have told me this, like, at the beginning when everybody was looking for jobs. Now there's no jobs. Uh, and so he ends up taking the position of shepherd. With Rabinkel, um, and Shepherd is like a very lowly position. Normally, it would be like uh young boys or something, um, who who would fulfill this role. Um, he loses. He's really good, but when one day he loses some sheep, uh, he ends up thinking he can find them when weather's clearing more, um, tries to catch a horse. Uh, all the horses run away from him except for Frey Foxy. Uh, and so he then catches Frey Foxy, um, rides him. Uh, we know how this is going to turn out. Robin Kel finds out, uh, goes out, and just, like, axes him. Just Im- immediately you know ask him a few questions as soon as he owns up that yes i rode i rode your horse Uh, i just immediately kills him with an axe um and so his uh father um who is his father thorbjorn yes yes um so Thorbjorn uh is upset about the death of his son um and goes and asks for compensation. And Robin Kell says, I've never paid compensation for the death of a man, but I will admit what I did was pretty evil. Um, and so I'm gonna make you this offer, which is basically I'm gonna like take care of you and your family for the rest of their lives. Um, which seems like a good deal, except that this is specifically positioning Thorbjorn as like uh lower than and like subservient to uh Robin Cal whereas if he was paying compensation, this would be like uh equal class, yes. uh equal position in society. So uh Thorbjorn uh rejects this and goes to his brother Bjarni. Um Bjarni uh has I think it's a son Salmir, right? It's like Bjarne's son Salmir who yes. ends up getting roped into it. Yeah. Uh so he's like Samir's good with the law, uh, which is going to become a really important thing in a lot of these sagas. Um, a legal system is developing here. Uh, and eventually Thorbjörn convinces Samir to take on this case, even though he's very reluctant to, to do this. Um in the end, uh, so he summons uh Rabinkel to the All Thing, which is like a an assembly of everybody, uh, all the chieftains in Iceland, uh, that happens once every summer. Um, at this point there, later on, there will be different types of assemblies, but this is like the big one. Um, and, uh, Robin thinks that this is ridiculous. Uh, but he ends up, he goes to the all thing, uh, Samir goes as well. Um, he's trying to find, uh, somebody who has the, this go who has this like power of a chieftaincy, uh, to help support the case. But nobody wants to start shit with, uh, Robin and so um, Samir eventually ends up finding um, Thor Kettle is the the adventurer who has been off uh, in Constantinople, or I think they say Greek, uh, like Greek kings or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll hear various people who've gone and worked for this king throughout sagas. Um, this is like attested to in other sagas, uh, but he's back home and he's like, I used to to be a gothi, but i gave it to my brother um i gave that position to my brother um he he is like uh here but he had a boil when he got here and so his foot is injured and so what i want you to do is go into the the uh like temporary house where he's staying because they like raise these temporary structures during the all thing um and uh Thorbjorn, uh you as like this this old man, uh I want you to stumble and grab his toe. Um his like hurt toe uh and and hurt him and they're like this seems like really bad advice we to want give this guy us got to help us <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's like well i'm not going to help you unless you do this uh and they're like okay i guess we'll play a prank on your brother or whatever this is uh cuz we do want your help um and so they go uh thorbjorn stumbles grabs his foot um and uh so the other brother is um what is it uh, thorbjorn Thorger, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Thorger, like you know, shoots up out of bed and is like, "Who's being all clumsy, grabbing my toe?" Um, and uh, Thorkettle does the or um, no, it's not Thorkettle, or is it? Yeah, Thorkel I'm I'm mixing. There's so many Thors and Kettles and yeah, <laughs> the yeah Bjorns. No,
1: no. So anyway, the, basically, uh, so Thorger wakes up. He's super pissed because he, you know, his toe was like is like an open wound, and they touched it or whatever, and. Thorkell immediately is like, this poor man's just like, you, you have redress because you're someone with power and agency that I gave you. Don't, don't forget that. Just kind of. Yeah. Um <laughs> This poor man has nothing. His His son was killed. He wants redress. No one will listen to him. Imagine if you were in this position and you had such anger and pain and you couldn't turn it anywhere. Um, yeah, what a poor plight. So don't, so treat him nicely, just immediately turning his like (laughs) flash of waking anger into like sympathy. Um, I want to, I think this is like the best scene in this whole saga. <laughs> yeah. It's great, too, how he's like, uh, you know, the pain that you feel in
0: your foot is like, you're so close to it. And so you feel it, but this poor old man can't feel it because, because he's like far away. And also he's experiencing the pain of his own son that nobody else can feel as keenly as he can. And the way that you can keenly fe- feel the pain in your foot, uh, just like specifically being like that pain in your foot, associate it with the pain this man is feeling. <laughs>
1: um one of the things i like about this i don't know the exact page but there's a bit where they talk to thorkel they're like oh you used to be a goatee you could you could like take power and help us whatever he's like no 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 no, no. i gave that to my brother i don't <laughs> want to do that it's a lot of work yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want to go be an adventurer i'm going to be an adventurer that's what i did i can help you but i i can't like uh, take on the mantle responsibility once again that's annoying um but then just like proceeds to show exactly that like what it is to like have the power of leadership by inspiring someone else to do your dirty work for you in a way that i think is like fun and good because um the here is like he seems comp like thorkel's like my brother's doing a great job why would i take it up from him then i have to do all the work it's fine if it's not if it ain't work don't fix it but this like guy who seems like a bit of a hothead and easily manipulated being the person who can just like do this stuff describes like the duties of a gothi as like you could be kind of like middling at the job and still do the job well, right? You don't have to be a great leader of men to be a goathy. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's like really important for how the rest of this goes and how it was before. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it later cuz um,
0: um. Yeah, it's also funny because there's a part where where Thorger is like, "Oh, I've had it for like this long. I will give it back to you for the same amount of time, so that you can support this case, uh, and then we'll share it equally after that." And yeah. then Thorger, was like, "No, no, no, no. <laughs> I, you're doing fine. You're doing, you're doing fine. Mm. <laughs> I don't want this." <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, they end up providing some support. Um, Samir does a great. Uh, job, sort of prosecuting the case. Um, uh, a large group. I, it's kind of like ambiguous, but I think there's a certain amount in which, like, a crowd is gathering to yeah. see.
1: The way this, I read it was but then that there's he was also he was orating so hard that he gathered a crowd, which kept, uh, uh, Hoff and Kel from coming and pleading his yeah. case. So he like <laughs> loses by default.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also there's a certain amount to which some of the wording is like, uh. There are also some people intentionally trying to keep Robin Kell back as well uh, involved in this. But, um, yeah, he ends up winning the case. Uh, Robin Kell isn't able to go and uh, sort of counter, uh, you know, do his defense. Um, And so... uh, they all go back home. We get multiple lengthy uh, descriptions of the ways that people travel, uh, mm. which, which ways they go, which is just big. Like, this guy's putting in—whoever wrote this is putting in all the locations around, you know? Yeah. Oh, goes through here. I know how the swamp is. Um, but uh, they go back. Um, Salmir goes, uh, with some other men and does the confiscation court, which is another part of the legal system where, uh, after someone had been declared an outlaw, uh, which basically meant that like you could do anything against them and the law wouldn't apply. Uh, but in order to like finalize that, you had to do this, uh, confiscation court ritual, uh, within, I think it's like an arrow shot of the, the, um, home where the the person lives. So they go, they do this confiscation court, um, then they go in and they surprise Robin Kell, uh, take him out along with uh, some of his men, and then string them up by, like, poking holes through their heels. uh, it just sounds extremely painful. Yeah. Um, and uh, offers this, this thing of you can uh, continue to live, but then I determine all of, like you're gonna leave here. I determine what you can take, uh, all of this sort of stuff, or I will kill you here. Um, and Robin Kell says, uh, I I will choose to live, and you sort of determine. So he gets sent off to um another place that is considered not very good farmland, uh, with you know some basic provisions, um, and Robin Kell is just so like intrinsically good at the stuff that he just builds up another great farm there um and ends up uh taking on uh, a Gothorth again um takes on the role of gothi um meanwhile samir um and like his family is living at offable um and uh eventually um i'm trying to remember exactly how all of the it, like, basically, there's, like, no beef. There's no seeming beef between them for, like, six years, I think. Uh, specifically,
1: um, it's important to say once he moves in, um, they decide to, like, push the horse off a cliff, set fire to the temple. Yes. And uh, Robin Kell doesn't say shit about it. Uh, he just says, yeah. well, I, if that's what my belief gave me, then uh, fuck the gods. Uh, but Yeah, he when they becomes, to, like, atheist. When they go to market basically. or whatever, he, they, he does not bring up his, like, his complaints. He is just, like, yes. perfectly polite which is the most dangerous thing a person could be (laughs) yes uh so after six years of just like
0: being uh friendly neighbors uh no no issues no steaming beef going on uh robin kell goes well it's time for my revenge uh i i received news that samir's brother has returned to iceland he's been traveling abroad um uh and he is uh going by now and um specifically because robin kell has like a better understanding of the the bog and like swampland um around he and also is less encumbered uh he is able to uh go uh kill Avendeer, although it seems like it's a it's a It's like a battle. Numerous people on both sides die, but he does kill uh, Avendeer, and then uh, manages to get back home before uh, Samir is able to get word and and ride back out uh, and try to aid his brother. The next morning, Robin Kel surprises Samir while he's asleep um, and basically does the same thing. Is like, hey, you can either uh, choose to live or you can die. But if you know, if you live, you you live on my terms. Um and so uh Samir chooses to live. Robin Kel takes up residence at Althabol again, um, gives to what which family member is it that he gives um the other farm that he built up to? Is it like his son or yeah, something? I don't remember. Yeah. Both of them end up like both of his sons end up uh having both when he dies. Yes. I know that happens. Um but, and then, uh, Samir eventually, uh, rides to seek support from Thorkel and Thorgair again. Um, and they're like, Hey, we told you like, kill him when you had the chance. Like <laughs> we're, we're not getting involved in this anymore. You, you fucked up your one chance. Uh, so they're not going to support him. Um, and, uh, he ends up just like, he never gets revenge. Uh, he just sort of lives out, uh, as the subordinate for the, for the rest of his days. Um he does live a lot longer than Robin Kell. it's noted that Robin Kel dies of illness mm-hmm. um, when he's young but um
1: but also like in his full power, right?
0: Yes, yeah. Uh and the Norse at this time in particular uh thought it w- was great as we've seen from Volslinga saga. They thought it was great to to go out young and full of power. <laughs> yeah. So. Um yeah, I feel like that's the, the general synopsis here. Yeah. Um,
1: I want to see if I can find a few of the good lines, but... So, I want to start with the description of Ravenkel when he is originally Gothi. Yes. Um, he was unfair towards other people, but was well accomplished. He forced the people of Jokosdal to become his thingmen and was mild and gentle with his own people, but stiff and stubborn with the people of Jokosdal who never received any justice for him. Hravenkel often involved... Uh, I was often involved in simple combats and never paid anyone reparation. No one received any compensation from him, whatever he did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is exactly the way to be like the world's worst chieftain. This, I said it last, uh, last time we recorded uh, how much getting into this stuff kind of reminded me of, um, of uh, King of Dragon Pass. Um, This whole thing is just, could be in the, like how to play of King of Dragon (laughs) Pass. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta listen to your circle. when you gotta pay you gotta pay people cattle when you do them wrong, otherwise they're really gonna hate you forever. You they will not get over it. Just give them the five cattle. Jesus Christ. Uh <laughs> um, um it's just it's just really funny. Uh the way in which this is ordered is like his thing was that he was really good to his own people, but stingy with everyone else, and unfortunately that makes you a lot of enemies. Um, and you aren't growing your like power base, right? That's the thing with being like that, is um, the people under you love you, but they're already the people under you, and some people will never be under you by disposition or geography. Um, whether that's yeah. everyone around him, like, uh, like, uh, the, the, like the two brothers, like, um, uh, like Thorcol. um, who's not under him at all, obviously, but also uh, like Thorbjorn and Samra who chafe at the idea of being under any man because all men are equal. Um, except yeah. that's not actually true because society still exists and society is about power structures and imbalances. Yeah. Uh, someone's uh, got all the land and cattle. Unfortunately, that's just how it fucking works. We all hate it. Um, but they, you know, they do be living in a society. Um, yeah. But um, him getting like tossed and then Samar becoming uh, the Gothi and ha- doing just kind of like a, a me- mediocre middling job where no one seems to care that much. Um, and Hravind uh, and, um, Cal going and just, they say he's like, he is going across, he tills the land himself, he rears the cattle, like he's doing everything. He is like, he was yeah. not just a chieftain in like the ability to order people about, but like built the shit with his own two hands is like on some level it's good that he bided his time became powerful and fucked the guy over again but also it's like this weird like story about like some guys are just better and have that betterness yeah. is inherent in them and through their individuality and power will like always reclaim glory which is the part where i'm like this is not a christian parable. <laughs> this is like <laughs> this is like the most anti-christian message i could think of like the only way i can like it it's not a
0: uh uh, Christian parable, parable to me. Mm-hmm. In, it is a, it is a parable about the divine right of Kings. of Yes. Anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, some people are just made to be like rulers. Robin Cal is made to be a ruler. Samir is not.
1: <laughs> Robin Kel understands hustle, loyalty and respect.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, i did i did find the part i want to read uh the section with the toe um yes just read some of that so uh here's the the initial one of uh thorkel said i promise to stand with you rather than against you because i think it's necessary to bring a suit after the slaying of a close relative now you go off to the booth and walk inside everyone will be asleep You will see two leather sleeping sacks placed across the floor at the far end of the booth. I just got out of one of them, but my brother Thorgers uh, is sleeping in the other. He has had an enormous boil on his foot ever since he came to the thing. And so he hasn't slept much at night. But the boil burst early this morning, and the core of the boil came out. He has been sleeping ever since, and has got his foot stretched out from under the sack onto the footboard, at the end of the bed because of the inflammation in his foot. Have the old man lead you as you go into the booth. He looks rather decrepit to me, both in terms of sight and age. <laughs> and then, man, said Thorkel, when you reach the sleeping sack, you should stumble badly, fall on the footboard, grab the toe that is bandaged, jerk it towards you, and see how he reacts. Samir said... You may be giving us good advice, but this does not feel like the advisable thing to do, <laughs> which I just love that line
1: that's how I feel when I get advice. it yeah. sucks too
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, and then I can uh what here's the part where um Thor gets mad after this happens um. And Thorkettle says, uh, he didn't mean to take it out on you. He came towards you harder than he intended and has paid the price for his weak-sightedness, just as he was hoping for a little support from you. It is noble to extend generosity to an old man in need. For him, it is not greed, but necessity that makes him bring a suit for the killing of his son. All the other chieftains uh pay are refusing to give them su- uh, their support, which shows just how ignoble they are. Um. Oh, where's the part about the... Oh, this is sorry the 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 best parts before that uh, so this is the uh don't be so fast and furious about this kinsman, uh which I did just laugh at fast and furious together like that, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, it won't do you any harm for many people. Things go worse than they intend. And many, when they have a lot on their minds, just don't manage to be careful enough. Your excuse kinsman is that your foot is sore and has been very painful. You're the one who has felt it most. Now it may well be that, it, uh, the old man is in no less pain at the death of his son, but he can't get any compensation and lacks the wherewithal himself. He'll be the one who feels it most. And it can be expected that a man who has a lot on his mind will not always be careful enough. um, Which is... Yeah, it's just this great uh, exchange here. Um, Yeah, I think... I don't know if there's other big stuff in this.
1: Yeah. um, It's weird, because, like... um, When I read this, I was like, okay, so this is, like, much more grounded as a narrative. Um, Yes. It's weird in that it's, like, a story... Like it's not even like the part where Raven Kell gives up religion when his temples burn, and his horse is killed. It's it's specifically that like the religion gets him in trouble in the first place. The reason that he uh, like when, the, when he comes in, when the horse, when, it, when the horse b- interrupts his like dinner to show up and be like exhausted and dirty, he's like, shit, this is a real problem because a, um, I swore that I would be as part of my tribute to the gods. I wouldn't let anyone ride the horse uh, without my permission. And, B, uh, I said I'd kill anyone who did. So I got to do that because otherwise the gods are going to be angry with me um, because I violated my oath and, are, you know, violated my promise to them. Um, and he goes to the guy and is like, if you had just asked, I would let you ride the goddamn horse to get the sheep, but you wouldn't. You didn't bring it to me. So now I got to go through this. I don't want to go through this and go through with this. And like being willing to like do this thing that he recognizes like way harsher than he would normally be. And then, it uh, like, availing him nothing. So, it's not... Like, yeah. like, Odin does not come down and thank him for his service, right? In, like, the way yeah. that we see in, in like, Volsunga Saga. Uh, he suffers for it, and then his temple and his horse both get killed when he's, like, destroyed when he's not there. So, he's like, why would I fucking care about any of that? Um, it's so, like, atheistic in a way that I was really surprised by.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're... You know, hopefully people are reading along, but if they haven't and they're listening to this, like... Freyr is not a character in this in any way, in the mm. way that, like, Odin kind of was. Yeah. Um, he... it You just know that, like, Hrabinkel is dedicated to him, uh, has these shrines, does sacrifices, and is, like, dedicated this horse to him. Uh, but there's no, like... There isn't a thing that talks about how he does the sacrifices and then gets these boons or anything like that. Um, he's just kind of doing these rituals because it's... Uh, his faith but it's taking this perspective that um yeah is very like atheist about it um or at least you know this was probably written by uh, a christian person later um although there's also some stuff where uh there's lots of jokes about how uh Icelanders are not very religious right now, and that's kind of always been their approach to Christianity. Um, that like Christianity came in and said this is the new way of doing things. Uh, and they've just sort of accepted it, but nobody like changed that much. There wasn't like a, a radical shift in belief. Um This is over exaggerating, I think, but it's a it's a uh like Uh, a thing I've heard said from, from various like Icelandic sources. Um, obviously there's also, there has been some very like significant religious, uh, Christian people and organizations throughout Icelandic history. Uh, but sort of the, the common person is not necessarily always, um, as like deeply religious as some of the stuff that we'll see when we do the Kings of Norway. um, so, because um, there's some where we will uh, read about, I don't know if it'll be in any of the books we read, but there's some moments where uh, we will see depictions of the Christianization of Iceland okay, um, that's exciting. in the sagas. Um, and it, it's interesting because it, it's, it does feel so much more legal and political. It's about like, we come together and we agree to do this because this is what like has already happened in, you know, Norway and Denmark and Sweden. Um and if we're going to like keep dealing with those kings, we should probably like align with what they've done. Um whereas when we read uh Hamskringla, which is the accounting of all the kings of Norway, we will get to the like the guy who Christianizes Norway and there's like massive struggles around what that means. And like he he seems to like very deeply believe in Jesus Christ and stuff in a way that like I just, I don't remember seeing in like the stuff about Icelanders. It just seems like they don't care as much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I wonder if that's part of the, the reason why this tone is. So there's not like, a. in addition to, to seeming, uh, very atheist about the, the like Norse gods here, there's no part that really feels like it is trying to assert, like, um, you know, a single mon- monotheistic deity or something who, who then, uh bestows anything on anyone um which yeah it is interesting for especially a medieval thing like this um uh one other thing i I think a little bit that this probably came up in the the summary, but I think is worth emphasizing um is there is so there there's sort of a structure here where the longest section of it uh builds up to the death of Aner, Um when Robin Kel kills him. Um, so you sort of get the, the build up to the death of Aener. You then get the build up to the, uh, you know, outlawing Robin Kel, um and this process of like stringing him up and everything sort of his fall. Uh, and then you get both of those very quickly mirrored with, uh the the death of Avendir and then like the reversal on Samir where he's the one who gets um he has his downfall. Uh so there's sort of this like parallel structure um that almost provides these like three acts of the the build up to the first death, the build up to um the like the climax at the um the whole legal proceedings and, um, confiscation court and everything. And then this build up to like sort of this very rapid dual, uh, final climax where everything gets reversed. Um, again, um, which is, I think it's interesting because it's so much more structured than anything that we saw in the Senga saga, which just felt so much more like a collection of various stories. Like this one has this, uh, this internal structure to it that i find this uh, is
1: like this is like uh, like an like an aesop's fable right like mm -hmm. it's just so concise and uh specifically is about like ah this one man like fell like his hubris leads to fall but then another man's hubris outstrips it and he finds himself with the opportunity to reclaim uh his place it's a little like messier than one of those, right? What is the moral of her often Kelsaga? And I just, I I, I honestly don't know if I could tell you other than (laughs) don't fuck it up when you're put in charge. (laughs) Maybe if you're, if you're told you can kill your enemy, you should kill your enemy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely the, the read I can have of, um, you know, this being about like, some people are just like uh, better at ruling are Mm -hmm. meant to rule. Um, I think the other thing that I can read into this, and this is some of me, the, the reading that I have, uh, of Niall saga when we get there, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like I keep talking around. Um, but I mean, it's a big one, uh, but it, it's notable and it's, um, one of my favorites and one of the, the most like, uh, popular for a reason. Um,
1: we are covering I know, that. I bought my copy yesterday. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah,
0: we are covering that. Um, I couldn't do the first season of this without us talking about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much of that to about Njál Saga to me is about like, even though it is set uh, before the actual um, like Sturlunga saga, uh, the like Stirlunga, um age in Iceland, which is when a lot of stuff was being written and was when uh, this political system was sort of falling apart um and it was specifically falling apart because there was a lot uh there are a lot of uh families that were and like individuals who were hoarding Gotharth. and so uh stuff was getting consolidated between two main families who were feuding mm-hmm. um and so What was once like a a bunch of loosely affiliated chieftaincies, uh, all trying to sort of agree on a common legal system, um, that, and we can talk about this as it goes on, but what's interesting too, is that you can kind of opt out of it. Um, the legal system will call you an outlaw and will remove you from it, but also anyone at any time can kind of choose to, to be an outlaw, um, in a way by just acting in outlaw, uh, like outlaw ways, um, it it is uh it, in some ways it is anarchic in that way where like there isn't outside of the the legal society in a way that there isn't in modern society uh I can't choose to not be a part of capitalism in the way that people couldn't choose to not be a part of this system yeah um but uh yeah that was sort of uh breaking down, and i I read a lot of um Yala about being like these ideas of revenge and consolidation of power and things like that, and how that is going to lead to like the downfall of this proto nation that, that Iceland is uh, doing this experiment with. Um, And I could kind of see like a similar thing happening here, uh, potentially where it's about how um, someone like Frobenkel, like, you might have legal redress against him, but when he has so much power and influence, it is very easy for him to reclaim it. It's very hard for people to challenge that. Um, and so, you know, he he succeeds in spite of the law uh, rather than because of it. Um, Samir succeeds far more because of the law, um, whereas Robin Kell just kind of has enough power that it doesn't fully apply to him. So I could see that also potentially being... What's happening here is that it is it is talking about how some people um, are sort of uh, able to exist outside of the the law uh, just because they have enough power at their disposal, which is something I think would would have been front of mind for someone writing this in the you know thirteenth or early fourteenth century. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. Um. um. But yeah, it's good. It's nice to have a story that reads as just like a story. Um, I uh, enjoyed rooting for these people, despite them regularly choosing to be their worst selves. Um, the thing about like Hravenkel is um, like, yeah, he goes and builds his farm and he becomes a guy that people like again. Like again, And now he's a little a little more generous, just seemingly by inertia in that like he needed to build a power base. So uh, yeah, he was forced to be. But like at no point do I go, Hravenkel is like a good guy. <laughs> Yeah. There's um, no there's no moral rightness that I assign to him um other than yeah. I, I do like when a guy gets revenge after being nice for 6 years. I think that's sick in yeah. all instances.
0: <laughs> um yeah, it's funny because I I've seen some stuff referred to him as like reformed after that part and I'm like I feel like he's not he's just slightly humbled, you know? Um and like plotting revenge about how to like undo this, but like um Yeah, I, it doesn't seem like he he has changed. It seems like the only fundamental shift that's really happened uh, to him after that is that um, he has kind of just said, eh, "Maybe maybe this belief in God's thing hasn't like gotten me anything." <laughs> um, yeah, I as I was reading this too, I think uh, I was happy that I picked this for one for us to do early because uh, there's actually a fairly like. It's short, but you get a number of introductions to things that I think are going to be important in later sagas that we read, but maybe not explained in the same amount, uh, where, like, here we get, like, a kind of a clear explanation of the process of taking someone to court and declaring them an outlaw um, and the process that you have to go through to do that um, in a way that I don't know, like, when you read things describing the what the confiscation court was uh very often people will cite robin Kells saga because it is one of the most complete descriptions of that process um that exists so um yeah some of there there's stuff around the the legal system here and the structure that uh came up a little bit and i think will lem did you get your claw stuck (laughs) sorry my my cat uh asked to come in and has now gotten his claw stuck um yeah, I feel like there's some stuff around the legal system that we've, uh, we've gotten here, um, that will be useful to sort of keep in mind as we read other sagas, um, and that may not explain them as clearly as this one does.
1: Yeah. Um, I um, do like the, uh, just the idea of, like, the all thing and, uh, the gothi kind of, like, having to reach group settlements of these sorts of issues, um, yeah i just there aren't a lot of like even in ancient literature there aren't a ton of pieces of literature that are extant about like a world before like a monarch like a over like an overriding authority
0: yeah um Um, just
1: really interesting
0: yeah this what i what i think is really one of the things i find fascinating about um the sagas of the icelanders and stuff is this like political dimension and this um new political experiment they're doing because like just regular monarchy is happening other places um and there's debate around exactly what the the founding of Iceland looked like but i mean my best guess is it's a bunch of people who saw um a lot of power being consolidated between a few kings in like Norway and Denmark um and said I don't really want to be a, like a vassal to this guy, and it's like my only option or I flee um but in order to go settle Iceland, you would need significant wealth to like have a boat um have cattle and stuff to take because there's there's no the only um like indigenous animal uh on the island when people uh arrived were Arctic foxes who probably came over on like a iceberg at some point or something um and then like birds and fish, but like the only land animal, there was no, uh, there's hardly, I think even any insects. Um, there's like not a lot of, uh, like today, the mice and rats that are there came over on boats, um, that, that those did not exist there at the time that people arrived. Um, and so in order to go settle there, you need significant, um, wealth in order to like gather a boat, uh, get livestock get uh stuff so that you could set up farms and, and grow things there as well um all of that also probably a fair amount of uh stopping by ireland to getting and getting slaves because um, there's a, a definite like influx uh influx of celtic culture in iceland compared to a lot of the the rest of the nordic world um And so basically you have a bunch of people who wish that they could be king, but don't actually have the power to seize, like, a kingdom, um, landing on this island and then trying to develop a system where everyone can kind of be their own little king, uh, and, like, have a system to, to resolve disputes that aren't just, well, one person becomes the king of all of Iceland, um, was kind of what they were trying to avoid, so, um, yeah, that stuff will be, I think, get interesting, too, as we, we get more about the settlement and stuff that develops later. Um, but Iceland, the the no kings.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's cool. Because, um, like, you know, you get it like gilgamesh is about a a supreme like a supreme ruler right like all the japanese stuff Mm -hmm. is about imperial courts and and empires fighting other empires and seeing something that is much more like a collective chief it's just it's just like so outside of my uh perception of like what survived out of historical literature it's really cool
0: yeah um and there i do think that this is like an early experiment in a representational democracy um you did have a certain amount of choice in like who was your Gothi. You could choose who to go with. Um you couldn't you couldn't like elect someone to that position, but you had if more people gathered around one person, that person would have more power. So there's a certain amount of like uh this early experiment in that. Um but also there there are versions of uh there are people who will talk about the sagas as like oh this is uh like about a democracy or something and i'm like it it's far thornier than that it's far more uh it is a bunch of like petty tyrants (laughs) yeah um but it is still interesting because of that weird tension between uh it's like petty tyrants accidentally trying to develop a democracy um just to like not have to deal with the losing their power in in conflicts um, yes which is is fun (laughs) um yeah I don't know if I have too much else a- about this um i i haven't been so i've gone to iceland uh twice before but i've never been so this all takes place basically on um like the eastern side of the island um mm-hmm. and i never went that far east so i've never been to these the areas that they describe here um other than the original site of the the all thingy i've been to thingvetler um so Oh, uh, which is where they all gather. There's no longer the temporary, the like dugout parts for the booths, but um, yeah, it's an interesting site now because it's actually uh ended up accidentally being on a fissure line, and so uh since the age of the sagas, uh Iceland has been like literally splitting apart at the the point where everybody came together. So. <laughs>
1: Mm, i'm gonna call that an omen maybe yeah you believe in such things (laughs) um yeah
0: i feel like the one truly like i guess there's the dream at the very beginning uh which is also attested in the book of settlements um about like leaving the valley that that um provenkel's father has Mm -hmm. we didn't cover it because it's not important um but i feel like the one other kind of supernatural thing here uh, that you could kind of chalk up, but the whole like, all of the horses run away except for uh, Frey Foxy, who's just like, you know, seems like rooted to the earth. I think it just—it's well, weird.
1: It's like the there's like a totally reasonable explanation in that um, what's that guy's name? The the shepherd, uh, Aner. Yeah, Aner is well, could generously be described in like the insinuation of the book as like an oafish layabout um yeah who needs a horse and all the horses are kind of like they're like horses that are ridden but are like kind of allowed just free range right now so this guy who lumbers up to them chase them off except for the one who's never been ridden by anyone other than like one man Uh, so of course it's not going to run away because it it doesn't know to be afraid of people because of its like sacred nature yeah um
0: yeah but uh There are some, there are some great moments in that. I forgot, I remembered the being strung up by the holes on the back of your heels, uh, but I forgot it was this saga, so, (laughs) um, there's the part where that happened, and I was like, ooh, yeah, that happens in this one, um, we'll get some descriptions of some other, uh, pretty horrible deaths, but, um, there's, I don't, I have no idea which one, it probably comes up in, the um. Hamskringla, the one that's the history of the kings. Um, but there's this one type of death uh, that I'm trying to remember. There's a specific name for it that was like comparing it to the, to eagle's wings or something. Um, but they would like cut someone's back and then pull their lungs out through their back while they were still alive, which just sounds horrible. Um, so, yeah, if people are, are squeamish around some of this stuff, it will recur. <laughs> um uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, I do feel like in general the way that we got fights described here is pretty close to what we'll get. Um, where it is just like these men died, or like he swung his axe and that was his death. <laughs> um, everything feels like weirdly clinical. Yeah. Um.
1: I don't know if you have anything else. No, I think that's about it.
0: Uh, Good uh, saga.
1: Unfortunately, we're never going to read another one where we just do one and done
0: ever again. Well, when we get to Hamescringle, like there's a bunch there, but some of those sagas are sh- so short, we'll be reading like two. Okay. Um,
1: because it is it is that's just not a on collection the schedule of sagas. yet
0: though.
1: <laughs> uh, I think it is. Let me. Oh, is it? Oh, it is. You're right. Elf. Yeah. yeah i uh i because it was only one line i totally missed it <laughs> to be honest yes <laughs> um i just i just my brain just put the, all those uh heimskringla ones is like one saga even though they clearly are not it's a bunch of different things
0: yeah yeah so there's a number um the funniest one is uh i think it's uh Saga kira which is uh-huh. like um olaf the kind or something Mm -hmm. i think it's how it's translated Uh, and it's like literally two pages and we can laugh and talk about why it's two pages when we get to it um but (laughs) there's there's a uh i i think there's a clear reason why it's two okay when we get there so um we'll see how we feel when we get to this some of these we could possibly break up into two like two weeks instead of doing them in the same week but um yeah, a number of them are pretty short. Like around this length, but I think we're gonna we're gonna pick up the number of pages we read starting next time. So Okay. Um,
1: so yeah. What are we doing next time then?
0: Uh next time we are doing Lex Dyla saga, um, or the the translation, the title uh that's in the same the sagas of icelanders tome that we have uh is the sagas of the people or the saga of the people of laksadal um this translation is by kniva kunz um so there there's a different uh translation also by penguin classics i think um Mm -hmm. so again if people have a different version that they want to read um you're probably fine uh there may be discrepancies but
1: um there are already discrepancies because i have to come here every week and listen to you tell me how to say all the names because that's not what's in any of our books
0: (laughs) yes um this is just me some of these are like i just i know someone named salomir like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um some of these are just like you you encounter i have encountered these names in other contexts so i just know what they're supposed to be
1: yeah um it does uh, rob it of the joy of thinking of samwise Gamgee running around trying to become king of something but yeah because um, that's what i think of anytime i think of sam doing anything in like a medieval setting <laughs> uh, yeah only i need. i knew that you would think of of samwise with sam here um yeah um but um what was i was gonna say uh we're reading chapters one through 23 of that for the record yes yeah which will be about a fourth of it um
0: so uh uh, a a little bit of a preview for this one um so this is the one that uh there's speculation that it was written by a woman or a group of women um because of there's a bit of a shift in focus like robin kel saga you hardly get any women there's like a, a washing woman who briefly gets mentioned running mm. up. So not That's like it. Um, someone's wife get men gets mentioned like once. Um, like Saga is going to have a little bit more of the description of the lives of women. Um, and it's one of the, the main parts where like, what was a, a average woman's life in Iceland? Uh, it's one of the main sagas that describes that more at length. So, mm. um, I think that's the main reason why people speculate that it was written by a woman, but, um, yeah, it's it's mostly a bunch of people from um this uh dollar or dollar um like DAL or be uh DALR in modern Icelandic. Um that means like valley. So it's the people of the valley of of Laxar basically. Um And this is this is a favorite of mine. Um oh I forgot to mention this with uh Rabinkel Saga but I've read um a few pages of Rabinkel Saga in uh Icelandic um and I've also I have an Icelandic copy uh that a friend of mine got me um that's from like 1900 or something oh, wow. uh of Loxdæla Saga. Uh so I I probably won't read it too much but I I might pull it out sometimes just to like check you yeah, send things. me some pictures so, at least yeah no it's it's the oldest book that i own um i have a few old books um because my opa was he just read so much like when whenever i would go to his house it was like going to a library mm-hmm. um but he also just had a lot of old books because he would go to used bookstores constantly um and so like before he died he gave me um a copy of uh, like Mao's little red book and uh, the communist manifesto that was in English, but published uh, in China um, in like the sixties or something. Um, So that's one of my other little treasures, but um, yeah. Uh, The other weird old book I have is I have a book. That's the literally the like history of my mom's side of the family. (laughs) that like someone wrote um so but uh when we get to to niaula i have a a newer but um it's like 50s or 60s i think uh edition of that that is uh in icelandic but with a a lot of footnotes in german um that i found once so uh that one i made might also cross-reference when we get to it um, the only saga I've read entirely in Icelandic, um, is Ervarad saga, which I, I don't have the docket right now, but we might read at some point. It's a fun, legendary saga. Um, so maybe season two, um, we can do that one. It's pretty short.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, anyway, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being, find me on coast at EM dash being, uh, where I'm inexplicably posting capsule reviews every day as long as i have things to post about that's not always true but right now it is um and uh you can find all my podcasts at normalmapping.com we're about to do a we screenings on everything everywhere all at once which uh i'm interested to see how i will feel about that i'm watching it tomorrow uh because i feel like my friend group is real up and down on it uh so
0: yeah uh me knowing that you're you're doing it um, and Emily had been wanting to see it. So uh, I ended up getting it and we watched it together. Um, and Emily liked it, but was uh, like she's always doing craft stuff while we're watching things. So she's like, I didn't follow all of it. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, it's uh, kind of a confusing movie if you're not paying attention to it. Okay. Um, and I kind of enjoyed it. But the a lot of the humor didn't land for me um which i think hurt it
1: i'll be curious how i feel um because i feel like uh you know what i'm not going to be rude to people who might have really liked that movie i was about to say something that's maybe a little dismissive you know i'm going to say it anyway because we're here we're honest it's (laughs) it's nighttime um the the general impression i get of people's reactions is the fewer movies you've seen the more you like it (laughs) and sometimes that's fine i think that's true of a lot of movies i think that's true of like tarantino's films um and i mean that in a positive because that really got me into watching a lot more movies Um, I don't think it's bad for that to be the case, but that's, that's the impression I get.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think also I, I've seen a little bit of like when it came out conversation around it. Uh, I think it's also a movie that's like very easy to get representation brain about, Mm. um, like across multiple axes, uh, -hmm. in a way where, um, I think people like get more defensive about it for that reason where Mm. I'm like, yeah, it was a fun movie. Like (laughs) I'm probably not going to think about it much in like a month, you know? Mm. Um, so, um, there were some jokes that did hit for me, but I, I felt like a lot of it fell flat. So, and that there, there's a weird tone where they sometimes tried to maintain the jokes, but in times where I felt like they needed to just let it be like earnest, um, and that I think is what hurt it the most mm-hmm. and for me. Where I just I wanted them to just like let people be emotional about something without having to get the recurring joke in again. Um so uh that's my little bit. You you can see how that compares when you watch
1: it, but Okay. You should write in for our question of the week you. Yeah, I've been
0: question. trying to think about uh my favorite movie where uh an actor plays multiple roles. Mm-hmm. Um I've been puzzling over that more than I probably should, but um, I feel like there's just like something I'm missing. Okay. And I don't want to be predictable and just say Kage Musha. <laughs> I didn't. I've never seen Kage Musha, so I didn't know that
1: that would happen in that movie.
0: Um. Yeah. So the the Shadow Warrior, um, who is a lookalike of the King. Um. Is this really he, like a Prince the, the actor Popper plays thing?
1: the what is this a prince in the pauper thing uh
0: no so the the shogun uh it's i was making jokes about this when the queen died because i had been joking for a long time that this had already happened with her when she was like sick over winter that one year yeah. um where so they they get a guy who's just supposed to be a lookalike um for you know uh what do what do they like presidents still do this where you have like body dave, doubles. you're talking about dave well, but you have like a a body double in case they get like, yes, yeah, as like a an ass- uh, basically an ass- another assassination target, um, and it's just supposed to be that. Uh, but then the king dies, but at this point where they're like, we kind of st- or the shogun dies, but at this point where they're like, we still kind of need the shogun for like the political reasons, like we need him to be alive, yeah. um, and so this guy who's just supposed to appear as like a a body double sometimes, um, now gets roped into having to learn how to pretend to be the shogun and uh this is literally
1: the plot of Dave.
0: <laughs> yeah. But what's great about it is that it's a Kurosawa film that is yeah. like very slow and uh is about like the identity, this man taking on the identity of the the dead shogun and all the stuff around that. Um and you can see how that could be like it's long. You can see how it could be really like dry. But interesting, but it most of it is just a comedy, which is yeah. great. It's just Much great like to Dave. see Kurosawa. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good though. You should watch it. Yeah, no, it was... I should. I like Dave a lot, so <laughs> Kurosawa Dave sounds great. <laughs> I, I'm not saying this facetiously. I love a '90s, like a mid '90s comedy, more than basically anything. So, um. the the the, without
0: saying too much about it, the part that i find the funniest is how uh like all of the men are just instantly fooled by this like fake shogun um maybe it's the daimyo yeah i think it's the Mm -hmm. daimyo um but uh the the grandson isn't the like mm-hmm. young grandson uh but ends up forming this bond with the his like fake grandfather now because his fake grandfather is honestly nicer to him I, I think than his real one was mm-hmm. um but then also they just keep being like having to make excuses for uh how the the fake daimyo can't go and hang out with the women that he used to hang out with and i think it like it just seems to be this extended joke about how the women would just know that his dick is different <laughs> which is very funny to me f- for like a kurosawa film I mean, uh,
1: davy just ends up hooking up with first lady so yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> um it was the it was the last uh kurosawa film that um i i hadn't seen it for the longest time and it was like since kurosawa when people are dead sometimes i like specifically hold on to one thing that i haven't Experience. Yeah, I have their multiple
1: work. Or uh, Orson Welles movies I haven't seen yet for the same reason. I'm like, yeah. they're not going to make more of them.
0: Um, but yeah, then it was it was on Criterion. Um, and I was, you know, I think like Autumn was interested in seeing it, and I was like, let's just do it. Let's, I'll, I'll finally watch the last one I haven't seen. Although I found out he did a documentary about horses that I haven't seen, so I still have something. I still have that Damn. horse documentary. <laughs> Doesn't feel the same though. <laughs> um. <laughs> Where can people find you? People can find me at Fox Omnia on Twitter and co-host. Uh, I've been real bad about using co-host this past week, uh, mostly because I've just been depressed, but um, I'll get back on it. Um, you
1: gotta, you're the one who posts the official tweets for this.
0: Yeah, I'll have to do the, the co-host for this. I haven't done it for Putan yet. Damn. Um, I should do that tonight. Anyway... uh. You can go listen to my other podcasts, um, all of which are on the x Audio Network. Uh, Ghost Divers is an anime podcast. Ornate Stairwells is a movie podcast. Uh, and then Pondering Pouton is a weird hangout podcast. Um, this last episode was chaotic, um, but
1: yeah. Uh, I haven't listened to it yet. Probably tomorrow. I was catching up on a more civilized age. Um, it's weird I was trying to remember if we talked about Double Zeta on it and I
0: re-listened to it and we did but not the part that I remember talking to Connor about so that must have been after we stopped
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but it is weird because we move on from Double Zeta so I must have just gone back to it for some reason Um,
1: we have to stop I've been trying to end this podcast for 20 minutes sorry
0: (laughs) 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 then we were out of the podcast
1: We are out of the podcast.